Hello, everyone, and welcome to the We Are CCA podcast, back for another episode, another career episode. We're here to talk about careers. We have a special guest for you, but before we get to the guests, I do have my co-pilot with me here today, Ian. Say hello to everybody, Ian. Hey, everybody. Super glad to be back. Um, Today we have with us um, Peter Lavelle, um, who is coming to us from uh, the Philadelphia area. And um, Pete, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of talk about where you started with your career? Um, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, gentlemen. Um, so uh, right now I work as a real estate agent. I'm not a real estate broker. and We'll get into a little bit of that. So uh, and how I got into that. So we're going to take a little trip back to 1970, uh, back when I was born. Um, I was uh, born in New York. I was raised in Philadelphia. My parents were divorced. I was raised by my stepfather uh, in North Philadelphia. Um, so some of the things that uh, I learned was from him, um, which uh, which is very interesting because the very same person I kind of had disagreements with was the very same person that I was learning a lot from. Uh Went through school and at the age of 17, I uh, ended up joining the military uh, because um, at that point, there was nothing going on in my life. I was running the streets. Uh, I was a good kid. Just looked like I was always in trouble. Um, so I took that path. Uh, served, served a few years from there. Uh, I was trying to find myself. Uh, went up to Alaska, started working in the fishing industry. Uh, after that, uh, still searching. And I was in the process of looking for my biological father found him. He was living in California. Uh, so I moved down to Los Angeles. Uh, and then from there, um, I was looking at a career path of possibly going uh, into med school. Uh, my my biological father, he was a respiratory therapist. He pushed me into that direction, said, hey, just, just give this a try um, and then see where you go from there. So I went to school, um, took that, met my wife through there. Um, and then we moved from Los Angeles back to Philadelphia. It was through a job transfer uh, back here to Philadelphia. And then I worked in respiratory until about 2000 and I want to say two, 2006, 2007, to so about 2008, give or take. Because uh, in the process, I ended up getting my real estate license. I was working uh, in real estate uh, part-time and then decided to go ahead and go full-time. Uh, finally realized that respiratory therapy was not exactly the field I wanted to stay in. And been in real estate since then. I had a few other business opportunities that came my way. And here we are today. So, so Pete, you've had a, a wild and crazy ride with your career path. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, all all kinds of all over the map, which is which is great to have a well-rounded experience and uh, to, you know, like you said, about finding yourself. Can you talk a little bit about your experience uh, working in the fishing industry, sort of what that was like? Very rough. It, it is very, very rough. You're working anywhere between 16 to 20 hours. Um, but like I said, because I had the military background and able to stay up for a very long time, uh, I was able to sit there and do that and deal with a lot of physical labor. Uh, those 800 pound pots swinging across the deck. You know, if you ever watch the, uh, the show Deadliest Catch, yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Wow. Uh, in between crabbing seasons, I would go do long lining, long lining for um, for cod and black cod. So okay. I learned something different there as well. Um, learned how to do some really good knots. Um, <laughs> so if there's any scouts on here, yeah, it was uh, yeah, some some knot tying in there. And um, 
it it was seasonal, but the, the money was extremely good. Don't get me wrong. The money was, was every season. It was um, a, a bad trip was like $10,000. So, um, and that's back, that's going back in the nineties, how it is today. I'm not sure. I'm sure things have changed, um, but it was very labor intensive. Um, uh, had an opportunity to get off the deck. I, I started off as a processor, processing the crab, went onto the deck um, kind of got tired of dealing out and being out in the cold all the time. And, uh, I kind of worked out a, a situation that was part-time on deck and then part-time in, uh, and, uh, working with the engineer of the boat. So half the time on deck, half the time down in the engine room, being really warm, drinking coffee, eating extra food. Um, and then I learned quite a bit in, uh, in, in regards to like uh, boat mechanics, uh, at that point. <laughs> So then from, from, from that point of your journey, you went down to California and, and that's where you entered respiratory therapy. Yeah. It was uh, shortly thereafter, a few months after uh, I moved down to California, uh, at, by this point in time, my hair had grown out, which I don't have any now, but, uh, by this time I had a ponytail and, uh, so I went down there and uh, my father just talking to me about it and he says look you know why don't you go try respiratory and that's what i did um things have changed since then like back then i was able to get the certification now they want uh to be rrt instead of crt so instead of being certified uh they want to be registered now so i went through the certification program um did extremely well and worked down there i i worked uh several hospitals uh did per diem work in some places worked agency a few places uh and then finally landed uh, a home in a subacute uh facility and that's where i met my wife um i was working night shift she was working day shift which is the perfect relationship so mm-hmm. um P- and then, talk about, so you mentioned agency you mentioned prn and yes. um what was that out of necessity? Was that like the only job you could find or what would actually, actually let me back off. Can sure. you explain what that is? Okay. Um, so, and then how that differs from actually having like a permanent position. Okay. So agency is like, uh, it's your work. You're basically being contracted to an agency to work, uh, at, a, at a faci- uh, certain facilities. So with the agency, they can say today, uh, we need you down and Huntington beach or, and then tomorrow we need you down over in, uh, Vin Ice or wherever it is, Macau. So, and it could be a distance in there. So, and it's up to you whether you want to work it or not. Now, you get paid a little bit more on the agency side uh, than you would uh, working as staff. However, that can be, um, you can get canceled and not work. So, it's not a solid thing. And you probably don't have health. In- Do you have health insurance with that too? No, you don't have health insurance with it. Uh, that's That's all on you. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're not an independent contractor, so you do get paid hourly. They do take taxes out. Um, now compared to like per diem, per diem is you are staff, but you don't get all the benefits. You're just there on an as needed basis on the schedule compared to regular staff. And then of course you have regular, you know, full-time, part-time staff. So then where, um, where, where did you work? I mean, where, where, where do respiratory therapists work? Where do you work? Um, uh, all over the hospital. Um, well, so it, it depends also where you are. Are you in a teaching facility? Are you in a, a major, uh, medical facility? Are you working in a nursing home, subacute? So those things vary also. 
Um, so as far as respiratory, uh, I mean, of course, here, everybody knows Thomas Jefferson Hospital, you know, they knew Einstein, you know. Um, so, I, you know, that's actually when I was working, actually, I transferred here, I was working through a subacute, which was uh, Vencor. Um, and then they, they became Kindred. And then now, and then from there, I ended up working over, got full-time over at Thomas Jefferson uh, University Hospital. And I worked per diem over in uh, Einstein. And I also had a, a Baylor program or a weekend program over at Chestnut Hill Hospital. So I was pulling in a lot of hours. And, but in as far as departments or wherever you work in, you could be working in rehab. You could be working in the intensive care unit. You could be working in a neurological intensive care unit. Uh, you can specialize and work into neonatals, um, pediatrics. Uh, a lot of times you're going to get called into the ER. Um, and, and I just want to be very upfront and forward with anybody that's thinking about getting, getting into respiratory. You may see some things in there that are kind of traumatic, you know, especially when you work in the ER. Um, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, you know, you hear code blue, where you're resuscitating people. And I mean, hundreds, you know, working in a hospital. So those are things also taken into consideration um, when you're thinking about pushing forward and working in healthcare respiratory. Can you describe some of the daily tasks that you would complete and execute as a, as a respiratory therapist? I, I kind of had a saying, I'm the person that put you on life support and I'm the person that took you off of life support. So that was pretty much the thing here. Um, your main objective as a respiratory therapist is airway maintenance. That's, that's your main objective. Um, you're there, you're working with the doctors, the, the nurses, of course, family, care, you know, um, social workers and everything else. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you're going in there, you'll be giving nebulizers, you know, the breathing treatments. Um, you could be going in there and helping. Uh, you may help physical therapy, like you have to um, ambulate a patient and watch what they're working on. People are, are like long-term ventilator care. You have to, you know, you can, you know, look at that stuff. Uh, short-term ventilation, where they have ET tubes down, you know, down in their, their throats, whatever, maintaining the ventilators. Um, and that's just a small portion. Um, you could be working in rehab and there's a small portion that would actually go into the ER, or excuse me, OR, um, and be working as perfusionists. So, and that's a specialty also. In an average shift, how many patients would you see typically in a shift? Well, it depends. Um, when I was in California, it was because they were highly regulated over there. Um, if you had the ICU, you would have like about four or five patients and you had to do your rotation every two hours. Um, or if you were on the floor, you can have 20 plus patients. You know, and it depends, you know, you see them, whatever, and you look at the orders when you have to see them. So if you have a breathing treatment that you have to see a patient, you have to get it every four hours or every six hours. So if you're working a 12 hour shift, you'll probably see a patient like three times um, and then multiply that by the amount of patients that you have. And I mean, I imagine that kind of changes based off of where you're working, but like mm -hmm. fast pace, slow pace. I mean, that probably changes throughout the day, depending on where you're at. Um, but in general, I mean, would you, how would you describe like the stress level of the job um, and, and all that? Um, it, it is, it can be stressful. Um, it can be very stressful uh, on people because you could be in the middle of something and you're getting called down to the ER and, and you have a trauma that comes in, you're stuck. 
and then you have patients that are calling from the floor that you, you know, your pager's going off. There's nothing you could do. And you have to kind of yell out like, hey, can you call so-and-so to make sure they go ahead? And you could be in the middle of resuscitation or you could be in the middle of intubating a patient or you could be in the middle. Uh, there are certain times um, at Jefferson, they would do what they call a perk trach. So while they're on the ventilator, they would, uh, just put a tracheotomy in, in a person and to, to go from an ET tube into a tracheotomy tube. So, um, so it can be very, very stressful and you can get tied up and, like I said, there are times you may want to, you may be in a process of wanting to have eat your lunch or relieving yourself. And believe you me, you'll get a call or code blue comes up and you're just sitting here like, oh, geez, can I get, just get a break? Then you may have that. You may have days that, wow, it's, and you never sit there and use the Q word. No, you never say quiet in the medical. Exactly. Store. You no, never big, see that. Big no, no, big no. Oh, geez, we just recorded that. Come on guys. <laughs> yeah. You big never no. see that. So yeah. You walk in like, oh, wow, this is quiet. It just. And yeah, the full it, moon boom. thing is real, too. The full moon thing is absolutely real. The ER yeah. gets nuts on a full moon. Yeah, you get yeah, you get that. And then you also get like the sundowners, like, you know, the, the people that basically, you know, they're normal during the day. And then when the sun goes down, they're yep. their mental status like mm-hmm. is just out of whack. Um and I'll say patients and also staff, I'll, I'll let you know, even staff, because you also have to deal with the staff. So you're going to have to deal with a lot of different personalities um, all across the board. Yeah. So it's, you have to maintain a, a certain level of due decorum. Um, you know, if it uh, doesn't matter how bad your day is, you still have to maintain a level of professionalism, right. You know, and then if you need to vent, Go into a different room or something and just scream your head off before wait till you go home. Right. Because as you said, you're working with physicians, you're working with nurses, nursing assistants, family, social workers, case management. I mean, you're working with everybody um, mm-hmm. and they all have different priorities and different understandings of your level of responsibility, what they want. And that may not always be an agreement. So you never quite know who you're going to be working with. Yeah, and, and and it's like um, we we still have the saying in regards to you know respiratory. Oh my gosh, they're like the nurse, like the, the patient passes gas the wrong way, they're calling respiratory. You know, so we were kind of like the uh, the fall guy for the hospital sometimes. Like you know, I'll just get respiratory up here. I'll take care of it. Oh, uh, we got a patient that's acting up. I'll call respiratory. <laughs> so you're like, ah. no. what age group? I mean, I suppose that kind of. Depends too. Like, what age group was you primarily working with? It was from neonatal all the way up to final days, yeah. you know, or the final moment. So it's it's a wide range, right, right, right. So that I mean, that sounds kind of a bit stressful. And is that part of the reason why you decided to leave respiratory therapy, or what was that reason? Uh I'm just uh, I'm trying to keep this in because I know you're dealing with youth in regards to this. Um, there were certain situations where it was like, well, you got to deal with a lot of politics, unfortunately, you know, when you're in a job like that. But it also got to a point where um, there's several aspects, reason why I was looking. I wanted to build a little bit more flexibility with my time. Um, the other situation was you, it can be, you can get worn out. Uh, like I said, I, I've seen, I've been to several situations where, you know, end of life situations. And I just got to the point where it was, I was just seeing a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, you know what? I it's, enough is enough. I want, I want to be in a point where I see more living compared to seeing the end of life situations. So that was kind of like the one thing that kind of pushed me over. Why real estate though? Like why? I mean, that seems like, I mean, not even in the ballpark of, oh. of respiratory therapy. So why? neither was the fishing to respiratory therapist that's, either. That's, true too. that's very true as well. Yeah. There I mean, might be P. You like, you like throwing curveballs, man. So like where, why, why real estate? Well, you know, I used to sit up at night. Remember, I used to work night shift. So I would sit up at night and, uh, you know, you see those infomercials and everything else. And, you know, oh, buy real estate back in there. That time, I forgot. Carlton Sheets, that's the guy's name. Mm -hmm. So Carlton Sheets used to come on there. Oh, buy real estate, buy real estate. And I actually bought his thing because I was looking for investments because I believe in you should diversify, you know, diversify your monies and stuff. And so I got into that. And then that's when I, well, you know what? I don't know if I want to be the investor kind of guy or if I want to become an agent. And then, so I went through and I, I got my licensure and I actually, it was, I had a little bit more flexibility when it, when I did that. And it was like, and the next, and actually I get to pick and choose who I want to work with. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where I kind of went with that because I was, I was always very business minded. Um, even when I was in California, um, I hustled a little bit. And, you know, even uh, prior to meeting my wife, you know, I was involved with like a, like a production, the small production, you know, company. Um, and then I had a small little like couture, like that was like a silent partner with, with that stuff. So I always looked at, you know, how can I take my money and create a little bit more uh, income or a little bit more wealth? And that's why I saw in real estate, real estate, you see a lot of people that get involved in real estate and they can create a lot more um, income, I guess you would say, or you can create, generate wealth through that. You know, we see, again, I don't want to be uh, controversial or anything, but you know, like Donald Trump, look at, look at Donald Trump. He created a huge real estate industry, a, a huge, you know, stuff as businesses. And that's what I looked at, like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure at this point in time in my life, you know, if I can become that multi-billionaire like he is, who knows? But that's that's how I transitioned into that. And so can you talk about, you know, working in real estate and sort of the the good, bad and the ugly of it all? Uh, well, if you want to get involved, I would say have about six months worth of income or some some sort of way that you can live off of for the first six months. Um, the real estate industry is changing um, because we have this big, 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 huge monster that starts at the Z um, that's kind of coming after our industry right now. Um, so we do have our associations that, that are dealing with that. So that's a, a really big, 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 ugly right now. Um, you're going to have to um, study. I mean, constantly looking at things, looking at how things are going, as we discussed earlier, like what's going on in the markets. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Every morning you got to take a look at that. You have to learn business. You have to learn management. You have to learn uh, people skills, self-development. You're, you're constantly looking at that. Now I do have a saying, and it's a lot of people joke about it. You know, I like coffee and maybe four people. So, but I just never say which four people they are. 
So I'm out there and I'm friendly with people. And that's the other thing is your mentality. You have to maintain, you don't have to be friends, but you have to be friendly with people. Um, so that's part of self-development. Um, you, the good parts, and it depends. It depends on what type of market you're working in because there are different markets. You can have a rental market, you have the commercial market, you have the resale market, new construction, you can have different markets, first-time buyers. So there's different markets in there. And the biggest thing I would say to anyone that the, that's going into real estate, find a niche. Find a niche and become the expert in that niche. Uh, you can't be, I hate to, well, I don't use, like to use the word can't. Um, try not to be the end all be all for everyone and everything, because it's not going to work. You're going to wear yourself out. So if you find that niche, you can control more of what your time and you can control basically the income that you're looking for. So kind of like, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none kind of deal. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now do you find, or can you sort of identify, are there any, skills, knowledge, abilities that you develop through working as a fisherman, uh, working in respiratory therapy that s help um, enhance your ability to be a real estate agent? Well, I look at everything I've done. Everything I did. Every single day I look at there's a lesson for something and there's something that you can learn today that you can use tomorrow. Um, so in regards to, like I said, you, you know, from, from the, going back to the military, I'm able to basically stay up for longer hours. I can do that. It's not a problem. Now, of course, the older you get, the less sleep you, you, you get. So, um, but yeah, people skills, um, dealing with the general public, um, how to deal with stressful, stressful situations. Um, um, just just a willingness to learn. I mean, that's, that's what, that was always my thing was always learning from that stuff, a willingness to learn because, you know, as I stated, I went from being a processor to a deckhand and then, Oh, you know, I don't like the cold. Let me start learning a little bit about engineering and going in there. So, so always learning something. And that's, and I think that's what it is taking that and going into real estate and just having that, that mode of saying, look, you know, I want to learn something today this way. And that's, that's another thing. In real estate, you learn to be a consultant compared to a salesperson with your clients. So, and I, I think that's where that all kind of flows in. Gotcha. And I mean, just this thing, like, even if you're a real estate agent, you're not working really alone. You, you, there's a whole team of people that you have to interact with. Can you talk about the other people that you're working with or connecting up the, the buyers with and or the sellers with and, and that whole um, well, well, you're going to deal with transit, your transaction coordinator. You're going to deal with your front desk manager. You're going to deal with your title company. You're going to deal with the mortgage company. You're going to deal with the mortgage broker, the, the more the underwriter, you're going to deal with the broker. And I guess we're going to get into that, the difference between real estate agent and a broker, uh, in regards to that. Um, uh, but these several different people, your, your buyers, your, your sellers. Oh, and then by the way, if you're dealing with a buyer and seller, you may not be dealing with just uh, one personality. So if it's a husband and wife, you're dealing with them. If you're dealing with, you know, a girlfriend or something like you're dealing with you. So you're dealing with all these different personalities. And sometimes you forget which, which personality you're dealing with. So you're like, Oh, that's right. I got to remember. And if you was at the, um, 
the personality test, like a DISC personality test, mm-hmm. you know, how to deal with certain people who are either demanding, inspiring, secure, or want to read the contract all the time. Mm-hmm. So you always have to keep that in mind on what you're dealing with, with people. Um, and then to kind of segue into the difference of what a broker is, um, and I can explain that difference is a real estate agent works under a broker. Um, a broker is the person who base is in charge of everything. And even when it comes to um, the transaction, the broker basically is ultimately in charge. So if the agent does something, the broker can get in trouble for it. So it's kind of like a pyramid. Like it, like So the broker is like the guy or the woman on top. And then he has an office and the real estate agents works under the broker or under the umbrella of the broker. Um, and then you have franchises, you know, the brokers can have actually a broker can be a broker of, he can be a broker uh, or he or she could be a broker of like real estate, uh, century 21 and also Keller Williams. So just to have that, just so someone can have that license to say that they have a broker there. Um, and then when you, you know, move forward, if you decide you want to become a broker, you can actually work under the same broker. You can have your broker's license, but it'd be considered an associate broker. So your broker, you just don't have that responsibility that the main broker does. As a broker, are you still like out in the field selling, you know, showing and selling? It depends. Okay. Yeah, it depends. Um, it's for some brokers that are out there to have companies. It's, it's better to have, a, um, what was the term? It's, it's better to have a piece of a hundred people than to have a hundred percent of one person. Okay. So that's, and that's how they're building the business. So that's how they generate their, their income or their wealth. What are the advantages of being a broker versus an agent? A lot more knowledge. It's a lot more knowledge. There's a lot more you learn taking broker courses than, uh, than an agent and um, being a real estate agent, um, you know, you do have to take your continuing education. Uh, so every two years when we have to renew our license, you have to have uh, 14 hours of continuing ed. Now, with the broker's license, there's a vast majority of information that's being offered in those broker courses that are not being offered with the continuing ed just for a real estate agent. Um, and it's I'm in a process of, of doing that. And the information I received is really outstanding. Nice. And I mean, obviously, compensation's different. Uh, it depends. It, like I said, it all varies uh, because as an agent, well, everybody's an independent contractor. So, um, you know, you're going to follow 1099. Um, so everybody's different. Um, so you're going to be responsible for paying your own taxes. You're going to be responsible for your own health care. You're going to be responsible for your own insurance, all the other stuff. Uh, under the brokerage, though, there are certain things that cover you. Um, you know, unfortunately, like uh, if you something happens, and it's called a, like an errors and emissions and you get sued or whatever, there's an errors and emissions insurance that the brokerage has that, that covers you. Um, and then, like I said, you're also under the umbrella of a particular company. So if you need certain legal advice, the broker may have that there as well. So um, other than that, it's your business. You run your business like a business. Now are those con- like, your compensation for a sale is that is that negotiated with your the agency that you work for or how does that? Well, compensate. Well, it depends on what your your, uh, your compensation um, status is. Every brokerage or every franchise uh, basically has their own 
they have their differences. Okay. So someone can be hired in, under a brokerage, excuse me, and the, they'll get 50% of the sale. So just say the commission is $12,000 on your end, you're going to end up giving $6,000 to the broker or you get your $6,000. And of course, minus your fees or whatever, and then you got to pay your taxes and all that stuff. So, um, and then you may be with a brokerage that's 100%. You can keep 100% of your money, but then you have to pay a monthly fee to be part of that company or whatever. So so there's differences on, on breakups uh, on on how they do that. So you need to do your research before you jump in. <laughs> Always, as, as I tell her, question everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. do your research and question it. Yep. And so, if, if your your income is basically dependent upon how much you're getting out there, how you're, you know, all of your skills and knowledge, and so you need to keep up on things. Self motivated, good with your own time, you know, ready to start fresh every day, and well, start fresh every day. Sometimes, like I think I'll just take today off just to, you know, like certain days I break my, my time up. I, I time block a lot of things. Um, I mean, things have changed um, in the past year. So things that, you know, right now our office, like to get into our office is kind of on a limited basis uh, because of the whole si- the situation with COVID, whatever. So I'm doing a lot of work from home. Um, and it's interesting because working from home, you have to have much more discipline so, okay, I have to be up at this time. I have to get this done. Now, there are certain days uh, I like the outdoors. I like going out hiking. I like to, that's why I'm a big outdoors kind of person. And I always like, even during the middle of the week, I'll say, okay, I'm not going to work today, but I know I'm going to make it up tomorrow. And I'll take some time out to go out and do what I want to do. So, as I said, a little bit more flexibility. Do you feel like working from home, though, you're kind of like always at work? Do you feel no. like work is, work is with you all the time? You're able to sort of step away from it? Oh, I guess, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, see, I can easily step away. <laughs> I can easily, and as you can see up there, you know, I can easily step away from, from, from my work. So it's, um, yeah, like I said, I'm big on the outdoors. You know, it's uh, I have a garage with tools and mm-hmm. backpacks and bows and arrows and all kinds of stuff in there. So I can easily step away, not a problem. Uh, Pete, I'm wondering here. Actually, I just had a whole nother question there. Let's just let's ask that one first. Your you went, I guess I'm assuming you went right out of high school, right into the military. I was 17. Um, yeah. So how did that shape the rest of your career choices and kind of influence <laughs> that? Was that the best idea you've had, or was that like out of necessity? Uh, and it is what it is. I mean, it was. How do I, um, I have a very, very interesting, uh, I, I was indifferent. I can say that there was an indifference, I guess you would say toward my stepfather. So, um, I went to a very good high school, um, was, I went to, uh, engineering and science, uh, in Philadelphia. I went down there, I finished 10th grade, but I started becoming a little bit misguided. So my parents made a decision to move me from the high school there to go over to job Corps. And then I went to Job Corps. Okay. So from Job Corps, I scored high enough. I was able to get my uh, my diploma for my high school diploma because I scored high enough with the test. Back then, they had different things going on. Uh, I learned uh, something. I didn't re- even utilize it. I was too young to even get hired. And 
after that, I was kind of like sitting at home and, you know, it was me and my two friends and we were going out and we we're kind of running the streets a little bit. And what happened was from there, I just kind of looked at what was going on in my life. And there was a recruiting station right off of uh, Germantown Avenue in Erie. And on a whim, I just, me and my best friend went in and took a test. Didn't even think anything of it. It's like, okay, I scored high enough. Uh, my friend, he's kind of like at that point, they're like, well, he's kind of at that midpoint. And we're going to go in for the buddy system. But unfortunately, he had, uh, he had, um, taking insulin for diet for diabetes. So I ended up going in and so, but it has, you know, at the age of my, my mother signed the dot, the paperwork, you know, get his butt out of here. Um, it, it really has, because when you look at, you know, when I went in, in the military, this 17 year old kid going in the infantry, you know, it's uh, 110 pounds, maybe five, five, seven and a half. So that was, yeah, it, it really changes you really. Um, and with doing that in life, um, it gives you certain mannerisms, certain way of doing things. Um, my wife kind of jokes, you know, sometimes you've been better off staying in the military compared to coming out here in the civilian world, because sometimes it is difficult to, because there's a certain mindset that you have in the military, there's certain expectations from everybody. And then you come out of the military and everybody's all over the place, you know, so you're having to deal with those different personalities and having to deal with those different personalities. I think that's where the military helped out a lot. Um, getting up early, having certain things done. Um, there's a term called eat that frog, get the things that need to get done first before doing anything else. Um, so that, so for the military aspect that helped out as well. Uh, cleanliness. Uh, making sure that I'm always with my boys about clean your dark room. Um, and, um, you know, just looking at those things, um, you know, certain you keeping your appearance, like I said, there's a lot of things that I picked up from the military that kind of got me to where I am today. The travel. Oh, that's the other thing. Travel, travel, travel. Oh, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. The number one reason why people go into the military <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and, and this is something for anybody listening that's thinking about, oh, I don't want to go to military because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to end up having to go to combat, go to war. There are other career um, uh, goals. There's different career paths that you don't have to take or become involved in combat arms. So they do have finance and they have all other kinds of things in there. They have, you know, you can work in a motor pool. There's different things that you learn in the military that, you don't, you're not going to be out put out in the front line or anything like that. So unfortunately a lot of people think that and they don't even look at that option. So um, if they want talk to a recruiter, there's good bonus bonuses happening right now. You know, that's, that's also another, you know, way of career path there. So, so Pete, you, you know, you've made, you've made a, 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 you know, a number of different career changes and switches. Um, Cause I haven't grown up yet. <laughs> so what were some of the you know what were some of the signs or like writing writing on the wall that you that you recognize like hey i've got to make a change and you know and I, this is not the career for me and this is not a long-term situation i need i need to do something different like where where were those signs and where were you seeing them <laughs> well 
Uh, you know, it's very, rather interesting. Um, growing up, you know, my friends would always say, oh, I don't know. I don't understand how you're able to basically like, skirt around and get away from from danger. You know, you kind of see it and you kind of skirt around it. You know, uh, for me, the very first thing going into military, it was like I said, it was running the streets. I was a good kid hanging around a bunch of bad people. Um, so that's where I, I that's why I ended up going in. Um, from the military aspect, I was looking for uh, a, a difference and a, a, a change, and then they couldn't grant that. So I was like, well, you know what? That's uh, okay. I'm done. I just had to go like this and just walk away. Um, and then going in the fishing industry, it was rather interesting because um, I was dating this girl at the time. My wife's not here. So I was dating this girl at the time, and she had uh, a friend who pulled up in a very, very nice car. And I'm like, well, how the heck did you sit there and do that? Like at your age? And she said, oh, I I work, uh, I do long lining up in Alaska. It's like, oh, wow. Like, how much do you make? And she's like, I make this. I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I was kind of trying to find something at that point in time. And that's how I ended up going up there, working up there. Um, And of course, being young, you know, you make the money, you spend the money. Um, And then, what happened with the situation with the uh, work in Alaska, I ended up having a react, uh, reactive airway, uh, which was very interesting. I was working on a, a crab vessel that was also processing. So all that crab steam that was in there, my, I ended up getting reactive airway from that. So it kind of uh, was throwing me into uh, uh, respiratory, uh, almost respiratory stress. I was kind of getting asthma from it. So that's why I ended up going into long lining. And then from there, uh, from long lining, I just looked at, well, you know what, do I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life? You know, I see how the skipper is. I see how this person is and they're away from their families all the time. And, that, and that's why I started kind of looking around like, huh, let me start looking for my dad, see where he is. And I kind of did my own thing on the side. You know, I had a small little business I was dealing with. So, you know, I've always been business minded and, and that's how I got that push to go to California. Um, when I, the first few months of living in California, I realized I did not want to stay in California. You know, I, I knew that, you know, from there, but I utilized what I could, the resources that I had. My dad was there. Um, so I ended up going to school, went in school and through respiratory, I was able to actually move back to the East coast. Um, my, my wife, you know, she was, she's a nurse. So, you know, she was able to get a job over here, uh, down at the children's hospital. So it was a, it was a nice transition over. So I guess those are the things that, you know, you kind of look at to make those changes. And then, like I said, you know, in regards to respiratory, you, I just kind of, I guess you would say I got burnt out on that and says, you know, I really need to look at something and I want some more flexibility. So when you're going through these things, you can see if, if you really keep your eyes open, you can see those signs because you don't want to be in a job just to have a job, but you're miserable, you know? Um, and you look at the, you look at those jobs. Okay. It's not a job if you enjoy it, you know, that's always been my mindset, but, and if, but if you're going and waking up every day and you're like, Ugh, it's, it's time to start looking differently. I would assume it takes a lot of uh, 
courage to just change, change position, you know, change careers, change industries, you know, especially with like something like real estate where you are sort of betting on yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it comes down to your ability to close the sales and, and get out there and pound the pavement and make the sale and make the commission. And, and um, you know, you have to be motivated to do that. I think, you know, to leave something like respiratory therapy that may have a little bit more security um, but, and then take on, take on something like, you know, real estate that, you know, it's a big, big risk, but, but big upside. Yeah. And, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is sometimes when you, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, as I stated, you also have to work on yourself. You know, it's, if you're not working on yourself constantly all the time, you're basically going to get behind the eight ball, unfortunately, you know? So, and that's the thing about real estate. You really need to be, you can't be a jack of all trades. Yeah. As, as we stated earlier Um, and and really have to understand the product that you're selling in real estate is not the house. It's not those things. The product is you. It's not the company. The product is you. You're the, you're what you're selling. So, or being a consultant, I, I guess you would say. Um, and yeah, it is, yeah, taking those kind of risks. Uh, even when I made that first jump, my wife was, yeah, she was not happy, too thrilled with me, whatever. Uh, especially during that time, you know, my, I had two, you know, two young boys and she's like, what the heck are you doing? You know? So, but from that point, like I said, it was just a matter of working on myself and saying, and staying, and staying positive. You're going to have those days that it's just, you're going to feel like it's just dragging you down and you really have to stay positive. Um, you know, I tell everybody, you know, if you want to stay positive, stay off of social media. That's another thing. Um, so it's just constantly work on yourself and, and look at things and then read books um, that will keep you in that mindset to, to always stay positive. Peter, is there anything that you would, any advice, maybe not advice, but um, any recommendations you would make to, you know, students who are like about to ready to graduate, like in deciding like respiratory therapy, working on a fishing boat, you know, going into real estate, like what should you work on before you get into those careers, would you say? What would you work on? Well, the fishing industry, I would sit there and say, well, with any of them, what should you work on first is do your research. Mm-hmm. You do your research in regards to those, um, those different career paths. Um, talk to, uh, reach out to people, talk to people in regards to that, to prepare yourself for that. Um, like you said, respiratory therapy. Um, if you are, okay. Physical demands, you're going to be the fishing industry and respiratory therapy. Uh, real estate, you can open up a car, you can open a door, you can talk, walk in, whatever. But there's going to be physical demands on you if you're going to work up up in Alaska or if you're going to be working in a hospital. You're going to have those physical demands. Um, you're, you may be on your feet a good portion of the 12 hours or whatever your shift is. Um, real estate, to prepare yourself, just prepare yourself mentally that you may not have a sale for the first six months. Um but with any of them, try to find a mentor that can help you along. That's another big issue that a lot of people um, don't even realize 
is that mentorship. You know, if you know somebody who works in a certain field, talk to them, reach out to them, get them as a mentor, and they can point you in the right direction and give you pointers because they've already made the mistakes that you're walking into about to make. So talk to those people. They can hopefully guide you in the right direction. P, I really appreciate you coming on on the podcast and being a guest. Um, your your journey's a, a little bit of a crazy one, but uh, kind of landed you in the right spot, I think. So, um, and I think it's good for students to hear that. You know, it, sometimes our path is not always direct, and it's not always a straight line. And some, but the beauty's mm-hmm. in the in in the windy parts of it, right? So, you know, that's where you really f- maybe find yourself or some of the detours that you take. So. And it's and it's interesting that, you know, like my career path has been taking me different places, but I'm 50 years old. And this year, actually this summer, I will basically complete being in all 50 states. So the only two is Arkansas and Oklahoma. Those are the only two that I that I need to finish up. And my career path and doing these things has also t- has also uh, the travel time or whatever. Um, this year I'll finish up 50 states and I've also been to 15 different countries. So, and this is coming from a kid that grew up in a, in a pretty bad neighborhood within a divorce. So it's a matter of what you want to do. It's a matter of that mindset of what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, as crazy as our roads may take us, but yeah, it's, it's been, there's, there's uh, the expression like, you know, when, when you basically end life, you slide into home. So you're sliding in like, as if you hit a, you know, a triple. So, and that's the way I'd always look at life. Just, just live it every single day and learn something new every single day. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, being a guest and uh, look forward to chatting with you again sometime. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank All right. Thanks. Pete. Okay. You have a good day. You too.